Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Rebecca Noble is Business Development Executive for Alltech Crop Science. Welcome. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about food culture. Food culture is something that we talk about um, more and more really in the last five to 10 years. But really, food culture is something that has existed with us since the very beginning of humans and human civilization. Perhaps nothing is more ingrained into the concept of human survival and human livelihood than food. And because of that, it has grown with us throughout history from the first hunter and gatherers. We hear um, that those that survived the Ice Age were farmers and has grown to now the 20th century where food culture is a lot about choice and lifestyle. So food culture is something that as humans who depend on it, who emote with it, cannot escape. So we've evolved to the point where we're taking pictures of our food and sharing it at this point. Absolutely. That is absolutely <laughs> so what we're doing. very social. And maybe maybe uh, back back in uh, back in the day, way, way back in the day, they were, you know, carving it on stone Impossible. so that they could remember. Yeah. So ancestors could remember. So maybe that's not even a new concept. It might not be. <laughs> maybe we see some hieroglyphics. Exactly. Um, why is food complicated, though? Food is complicated, I think, first of all, for that very reason. Food culture and food has existed for millions and millions of years. That means it is developed with our history, with the wars, with the famines, with the economic depressions. Um, it is developed with migrations. So a lot of that complication is in history. The other part of that complication is in the monetization of food, the industrialization, um, capitalism, joining our economy so rapidly in the past 50 to 60 years. So with that, for better or worse, the intent gets complicated. The intent gets distracted. And we now have all these market forces, these key players, joining the conversation and interacting in ways that are new and disrupting the marketplace. So as we've evolved, uh, we've come to this concept of organic food. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about that. The organic food movement, um, we focus a lot on consumers when we talk about the organic food movement and how much they're demanding. But really, the organic food movement is something that happened from within, within the industry, starting um, most notably with British agronomist Sir Albert Howard, who was writing about organic food really as opposition to the rise of scientific agriculture, to the Norman Borlaugs and the Haber-Bosch process of synthesizing ammonia. He was actually going as far as to saying artificial fertilizers will grow artificial food that will then nourish, nourish, in quotation marks, artificial humans. And so the idea started from within the industry and then relied on key producers um, and key growers to then mobilize and take action that then relied on retailers, these retail advocates to mobilize and take ag action and create this space for business, this space really for capitalism in a way, um, that then gave rise to this consumer movement where consumers, certain consumers, I have to say, because these are consumers classified by middle and upper class with rising disposable incomes, um, they have a bigger wallet, so we hear them a bit louder, unfortunately, um, giving rise to these consumers that then will pay these very high premiums, sometimes 30 to 40% for this food labeled organic. Organic 
first and foremost is a certification by, in our case here in the U.S., the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So it's a certification saying this good or this good is organically produced. Then we kind of take a step fur- further. It's um, an idea. And the, it's an idea that has drawn from a lot of marketing, to use Jack Bobo's term, disrupted communication. Um, and this idea is not just about organic, but it's about um, local small producers, and it's about healthy lifestyles, and it's it's this emotion. It's this emotion that it evokes. Um, and then, in an economic sense, organic is a premium that you can charge, that you can, you know, extend to the grower on one side, but then charge it back to the consumer because the consumers are willing to pay for it. And I think retailers will keep targeting these consumers because we see their behavior is different from a mainstream consumer. They are willing to pay 30 to 40% more for a good that is labeled not only organic, which is a certification that has a lot of costs behind it, but also natural and sustainable and all these labels that don't have a regulation and don't have a certification or even any kind of framework for definition. And we also know that they're these consumers that are buying organic are going to the grocery stores more often, multiple times a week. And when they do, they're spending more money than a mainstream consumer. So retailers are going to continue to target these consumers because it's good for business. And who can really blame them in some ways? So organic food, when we say the word organic and, and blend it with food, it truly does tie into culture. Absolutely. It obviously ties into business. Obviously, it goes back to the producer mm-hmm. all the way. It's uh, it's a very complicated topic, un- fully understanding. Very. And I didn't even get um, into the science behind it because, you know, we learned not to lead with science because it complicates things. But I think the one thing I want to say about science behind organic versus conventional farming and food is that it's very complicated and the messaging is very mixed and there's no one clear answer. When we're looking at the food part of it, consumers – that are buying organic are buying it on the basis that it's healthier and it's more nutritious. Now, this really can be divided into two different things. One, there are lower residues of pesticides on it, and that is a fact. However, in a place like the U.S. where the EPA has such strong regulations on the levels of pesticides um, that are allowed in our food, no matter organic or conventional, there's no real evidence that it makes a difference in our diet. But in another country where the regulations on pesticides um, almost don't exist, that can be big for those consumers in places like India um, and other parts of the developing world. That can be big for the consumers. There's also this other side about the nutrition of it, you know, the vitamins and the minerals. And there's been a lot of studies saying, you know, strawberries have more vitamin C when grown organically. But there have been a lot of studies that have said that's not true. They're no more nutritious one way or the other. Um, So I guess my point here is it's absolutely complicated and there's so much that we can step back and think about and really dive in and think about. So it sounds like when we use the word organic, we're also encapsulating a lot of different things from a consumer standpoint, right? You said the word organic, maybe to one person means no antibiotics. Maybe to somebody else, it means growing locally. Exactly. But they're not else, the same. Yeah. It's somebody else. It's traceable. Source exactly. Of and that's also from. not Visibility, the same. Right? And that's not the same. Those are three separate ideas with one label, but the label only actually certifies that this product has been grown um, 
without a list of substances in the crop production and food handling process. It doesn't mean that it was grown within 100 miles of you. You know, there's organic produce coming from Argentina every day to the U.S. I mean, it's still operating the same food system that conventional food is grown in. Fascinating. Uh, let's talk about that just for a moment, worldwide. In America, it seems like organic foods are growing. Mm -hmm. um, they're more accessible. Absolutely. Uh, we're starting to see them not just in a whole foods per se, which we'll talk about in a bit, but they're also accessible um, in other more popular mainstream mm -hmm. chains. But let's talk about the world. Sure. What about organic in the world? Is it growing? Is it, a, is it also as important to them, maybe more important than it is here? The answer is yes. And I always want to preface this with the idea of organics and the organic movement often correlates with the development of a country and the development of a middle class and rising disposable, disposable income. So more and more, as some of these emerging markets enter the economy and they have this growing middle class, people are starting to have more choice in what they buy. So as of 2017, 179 countries reported organic farming activity. Um, 87, I believe it was 87 or 89. I have to admit that I don't remember if the exact number, but it was 87 or 89 um, countries actually have organic distinctions um, legally. So some kind of certification for it. And um, as far as its prominence, you have to also remember that food culture is different around the world. And so producers um, and consumers are going to be looking for different things around the world. Um, in the U.S. Um, and other parts of maybe Northern and Western Europe, food is characterized, the food culture is characterized as fretful. There's a lot of anxiety around our food. So maybe we're more apt to respond just based on that anxiety and that need for nutrition and longevity um, than um, other parts of the world. In more Mediterranean and Latin American regions, it's social. So they're still evoking a lot of emotion around the idea of organic, but maybe it's much more around the social aspect and the local aspect. And then in parts of Asia, it's more about nature. And so we actually see a lot of, um, I guess, growth in these organic markets coming from Asia as middle the middle class rises and also Latin America. So we're seeing on average... Um, the U.S., about 25% of consumers are looking at that premiums, but we're seeing numbers in Latin America and Asia growing to 40-45% as, as affluence grows as well. So it is, it, it's tied though a little bit, it sounds like, to the economics. Economy. Yeah, absolutely. Economy. It's absolutely tied to the economics. Um, and it's something in the U.S. as well. I mean, organic's going to grow. There's going to be ebb and flows with the economy as well. Is this a little bit of a return to the past, so to speak? I mean, and when I say that, you know, before modernization, we were organic. Absolutely. And then we've modernized and, and brought in, obviously, fertilizers and pesticides and all these different things. And understandably, because we had to meet the demand, the rising demand. Mm -hmm. And now we're looking at organic again. Is that a little bit of a return to the past? Well, applying today's science to it as well. 
I don't think from a scientific standpoint, it's a return to the past because I think with organics, there's so much more about the ecosystem and the soil that we don't know. And in conjunction with organic farming, we're doing so much more research into identifying different microorganisms in the ecosystem. So I think um, from a scientific perspective, we are honoring maybe some traditions, but I think science is going to move with organic. And I think it's in organics interest for science to let science move with it. Um, it's just a kind of a back to basic science or looking at what's inherent and not m- maybe um, adding. From a kind of consumer perspective, I think it's an ideal of going back to the past. And I say that um, it's this idea of this is what's in my bones. This is what's in my soul. Because, you know, we talk about food is so complicated. It's, it's in our bones. It's in our soul. Some of the first leaders or some of the first people to talk about nutrition were religious leaders. I mean, this is in us, even if we don't think about it. Um, So I think the ideal is going back to basics, but I think that idea and the ability to go back to basics is a luxury for some people. So we have to be so um, adamant about saying that because food choice in so many ways is a luxury. So I think that idea and, and ability to daydream about going back to basics and going back to the past is something that comes with more affluence. The term has been coined rising billions, Mm, which addresses the growing populations and growing middle classes of China, of India, of Africa, and other parts of Asia. With that growing population comes growing strains on food. And also with the rise of a middle class comes choice. So perhaps I don't want the same things that I used to have. With organic uh, food in the past, we have seen uh, with modern techniques, we've seen the ability to meet a demand and to also increase yield. Mm -hmm. If we go to organic with modern science practices, are we still gonna be able to meet that demand And the choice, the demand for choice as well with increasing yield? The easy answer to that is we don't know. The science is um, muddy. I mean, it's very clear that um, there are conventionally farmed wheat and corn and soy has much higher yields than organically farmed wheat, corn, and soy. Um, There are other organic vegetables um, and fruits that potentially may have better yields um, when farmed organically, but the science is so muddy on that, and I don't think we know. Um, More importantly, maybe if we are going to be farming organically, can we make food affordable? I mean, the question is, Going back, actually, let's go back. Something I should have pointed out earlier. Organic agriculture is only, organic agriculture only makes up 1.1% of total U.S. cropland. So that means there's a question of scalability in front of us. And it's a big question and the science is not clear. And if anything, the science overwhelmingly states that it's, impossible. Organic agriculture cannot displace conventional, conventionally um, grown food and the need for cheaper food. You brought up price and the fact that uh, 1.1% of farmland is designated for organic food. 
currently. So there's still a lot of traditional food uh, being produced. But Whole Foods came in and disrupted the marketplace. Can you give us a little insight into that? Absolutely. When looking at the organic movement, Whole Foods was one of the first retail advocates and really have been the most outspoken and transparent companies within the movement. And they've grown um, steadily for over a decade, now reaching, I think, annual sales um, over $15 billion. So Whole Foods um, really set out to create the infrastructure and the supply chain around organics, um, and not specifically organics, maybe even more natural and local food as well. And with this, they have created um, or opened the door for mainstream competition. We look at a Costco who just um, two years ago reported they were the leaders in sales of organic produce, um, selling over $4 billion of organic produce in 2015. They're now working with their growers to actually purchase organic land for them um, because they simply cannot meet the demand of their consumers. We have Kroger, who um, is selling $11 billion worth of natural and organic products. That's 10% of their business in just five years. Um, they've been able to match Whole Foods' capacity um, 70% in just five years. Um, we look at um, also Walmart, Walmart. who um, has long been trying to get in the organics game and is on a mission really to provide um, their customers, their mainstream lower-priced customers, these organic products is at 30 to 40 percent um, below a comparable item price. So um, mainstream competition has really heightened, and Whole Foods has made organic a mainstay within the industry. You know, now that's 10 percent of. Kroger, Costco business, and that's 10% that's only going to grow because those margins are so much higher. It's great to see it has expanded um, and that the price point is coming down and it is potentially more accessible exactly. at that point. So have has the table turned a little bit for organic foods at this point, meaning that it's finally come around the corner to where uh, it's accessible to maybe more than just a niche part of the economy. It's maybe more accessible to another portion of the economy? Absolutely. I believe so. And what you see more um, than anything is we talk about consumers that are purchasing organic. And a lot of times you hear numbers, you know, 80% of consumers are purchasing organic. Now, 80% of consumers are purchasing organic either, you know, a couple times a week, every time they go, Um Monthly, So there are these different categories of organic consumers. And I think what we have are um, consumers, kind of mainstream consumers, searching for a lower price point, creeping up into this periphery category um, where they are looking at organic prices and maybe, you know, once a week making those purchases. But it's not going to be their entire basket. How important is age as a factor in determining, you know, whether I buy organic or I don't buy organic? Age is almost the determining factor um, that we can study and we've seen looking at consumer insights. Obviously, it's no surprise to us that these attitudes about 
organics and natural food and local food are more concentrated in the younger generations, um, particularly millennials, um, and also Generation Z, this new generation of 20-year-olds and younger who are now coming to college and making independent food choices for the first time. Um, And they're also um, more likely to shop at these specialty retailers that are more devoted to, you know, the natural organic lifestyle. What does the future hold for organic food? Well, when talking about organic food specifically, we have to go, and this question, I should say, remembering that organic is a label, it's certification. It means that the product you have was not grown with this list of substances. So it's not so much what the future holds for organic food, but what is that next premium? What is that next um, action that these prosumers, these production consumers and proactive consumers can take on either organic or conventional growers? Is it um, a label or some kind of third-party certification regarding their energy use, their water efficiency, their labor practices, how they treat um, and look after biodiversity in within their land? Um, so that's really the next frontier. It's not so much organics. Organics is pretty much here to stay. We have that consumer base that will pay that premium. So what now are retailers going to be looking to capitalize on in order to get premiums out of maybe conventional growers as well? And what shifts are conventional growers going to have to make in order? So it's really less about um, the organic label and more about what's the next demand on agricultural production, whether it's organic or conventional growers, because we know that consumers and some proactive retailers and producers are forcing change within the industry. So what's next is more about how producers are sustainable and how you can communicate that effectively or not to a consumer. Last question. What is the favorite part of your job? Favorite part of my job. Okay, wow. That's quite um, that's quite a question. No one's ever asked it before. I think without a doubt, the favorite part of my job is being able to be in the food industry and to have discussions about food. Um, You know, we started off the podcast today talking about food culture, and that's something that I absolutely feel. Food is not um, just about feeding myself. You know, it's about um, emoting and showing support and love and security for people all over the world. And just having an absolute passion for food and how it's grown and being better able to understand that and then hopefully somehow being better able to communicate that to other people. Jack Bobo um, at our conference said, um, never have consumers cared more but have known less about how their food was produced. And being able to understand that, meet the people that produce our food and are responsible for um, meeting our growing needs and meeting the needs of others um, is a real honor. And it's my absolute favorite part of my job. Rebecca Noble is business development executive for All Tech Crop Science. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To hear other conversations with many of the featured speakers at one, the All Tech Ideas Conference, visit ideas.alltech.com. Access is free after signing up. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture.